skeletal forms, burn toxic green, vacant eyes, lit with everlasting hellfire. Welcome to the third episode of Let's Watch Scary Movies. Because we love watching scary movies. <laughs> um, we're your hosts, Caitlin and Jenny. We are two best friends who have a deep, deep love of horror. Um, and each other. And each other, yes. <laughs> mostly each other, but a lot of horror. And uh, we like to spend our time. Watching horror movies, and then having very, very fun conversations about them afterwards. Doing so, a bit of a debrief. Yes. So we thought we would, you know, inflict our chats on the world. On the world. Make you guys listen to us. Yes. We're coming to you live from Nottingham. Last yes. time we were live from London, so it makes a nice change. Yes. You've come up to see me uh-huh. in Nottingham, which... It's always good, uh-huh. and it's, you've brought the sun with you. It's ridiculously hot. It's really warm, which is shocking as it's early September. Yes, but it's horrible because we're sat in my tiny living room with like no windows, and I've had to lock my cats upstairs so that we can have the back door open because so we can breathe. Yeah, otherwise it would just be an hour of us talking about <laughs> how sweaty we are. <laughs> That sounds fun. That yeah. could be its own podcast. Yeah, that could. Maybe we can do like a little <laughs> spin-off episode. Uh, Sweatmasters. <laughs> um, Sweaty bitches. <laughs> that name's probably taken. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, when we were looking for a name for the podcast, all the names that we really, really loved were taken. It yep. was, it started to become almost a joke because everything, all of them. Yeah. Even by some of them were taken and like the people hadn't recorded anything. Yeah. What are you guys even doing? Like two years. You have such a good name. Use yeah. it. Use the name. <laughs> but now, rather than knowing what Beep. Uh, we're just gonna. Hey, let's watch scary movies. Taken from a T-shirt. Yeah. To, to be quite frank. So. Yeah. Yeah. So today, uh, we're gonna be discussing a movie called The Dark and the Wicked. And was it dark? It was dark. And was it wicked? I think it was fairly wicked. Yeah. Yeah. This was a movie that we found on Shudder. Yes. Um, which Jenny has and I do not. So we thought, let's take advantage of all the Shudder access. Shudder, if you're out there, promos. We're doing promos. <laughs> Hit us up. Um, I, ha- I had actually seen this movie. I had seen it uh, maybe in June, some- summer of this year, not that long ago. Um... But I had it on while I was doing something else, and so there were bits that I didn't, I didn't recall. So when Jenny said it was on her list, I thought, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, it's been on my watch list for quite some time. Um, but because it is, you know, a bit of a, a slow builder, kind of... It's quite long as well. Yeah, it was quite long. It's just been one of those ones that, on a weekend, when my husband and I are chilling out, it's not always necessarily, like... The fun film that, that he fancies watching. The lighthearted jump. Yeah, exactly. That you're looking for. <laughs> exactly. So I'm glad that you have been here and we've been able to watch it. Absolutely. And actually checking here, it says that it's 93 minutes. And so I'm a little surprised by that. Not because it feels long in a bad way. But it definitely um, did feel... It took its time. Yeah. It took its time. And I think 
as we have sort of said on previous episodes, um, mm. we both like a slow burn. Yeah. Um, I think maybe me in particular really, really love a slow burn. But um, sometimes they can be too slow. But yeah. that was not really the case here. It just took us time to get where it was going, which I think it was great in a way because you really cared about oh, absolutely. the characters. So. Right, so shall we... What... Um, how many pentagrams out of five? How many pentagrams out of five? What was I, your final score for this? My final score for this is a solid four. I'm with you. I think it's a solid four. Um, agree. Yeah. yeah. Solid four. Definitely a, a solid four. You know, it definitely had its weaker moments, but overall, I thought it was fairly fairly consistently disturbing yes and you know scary i know there are some out there who think that horror movies don't have to be scary and that's true sometimes they don't have to be scary but we will always i think on this podcast discuss on some level whether or not a horror movie scared us because my whole reason i don't know about you for watching them is i enjoy being scared yeah i want you to scare me i dare you to scare me i (laughs) But we're, we're quite different in some ways, though, because I am very easily scared. Like, ridiculously easily scared. Mm. I jump at things and, you know, I'll be watching kind of half hiding behind a cushion or one of my many cuddly toys. <laughs> and, but I still love it. And that's the thing I know, like, my sister hates horror films, anything that she can't stand to be scared. And it's weird that I am probably as easily scared as she is, but I really... I like it. But you enjoy it. I enjoy it. You sadistic motherfucker. Yes. <laughs> Scare We don't kink shame Scare on this me podcast. Harder. We would never. No. We would never do such a thing. Absolutely not. We are kink positive on this podcast. We are. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, solid fours all around. Yes. Um, and we will, of course, get into the scoring, like how we got there. Because, uh, as you said, you know, there's reasons why it's not a solid five. Oh, yeah. Um, despite lots of excellent uh, things. Um, well, what do you reckon? Shall we get into that but b- breakdown? Yeah, yeah. Should we give a few details, like, base details about the film? Now it's time for a breakdown. So, like you said, we yeah. got it on, we watched it on Shudder. It was um, last year, 2020, I think it came out. Uh-huh. Um, it was written and directed by Brian Bertino. Brian Bertino. Brian Bertino. I also have... writer-director of The Strangers. Yes. Yes. And was that the, the one hurts. with Liv Tyler? Yes, it was. Okay. And the hurt. And then what was the other one? The well, there's a few on here actually. The Black Coat's Daughter. Did you see that no. one? That one was pretty good. But where he produced The Strangers, writer director, which I really liked. The Strangers. Um, did you Did you see that with I Liv don't know Tyler? If I've seen it. it was a kind of home invasion. I am. Then probably not. Are you I'm, not into I'm home not invasion? a lover of home invasion. Oh, I'm not either, but that's because they scare me. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I think that's the problem. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit too kind of Oh god, we've got the back door open Damn behind dog. me and the dog. Do you know what? I'm not barking. even gonna apologize for it because it's so freaking hot. Yeah. So you're gonna I apologize, listeners, but there's dogs barking. <laughs> and I don't mean my feet hurt. There's actual dogs barking <laughs> out back. <laughs> my neighbours have got two little sausage dogs that Bark at the uh, so what was the other film that you were saying? Oh no, he produced Mockingbird, and 
you had that up before when we were looking at film options. Oh, because it looks like Captain Spaulding. Yes, yes. that's probably what the I'm, cover I'm of the yeah, movie. I'm recognizing. Looks like Captain Spaulding. Yes. Okay. Well, that's a, another review for another day, I reckon. <laughs> but um, it's 2014. Found footage. You know, one day we should do a, sort of a top ten favorites. I've just spilled a drink. Um, keep talking. A top ten uh, with genres. Yes, of. definitely. Like what sort of or subgenre rather? What sort of subgenres in the horror? I would love to do that. Arena. Let's I let's almost... get them all together and then put them in order. Yes, I think we, we really should. should. Um, I also think that it might be quite good to have a bit of a breakdown on yeah, like different different genres. Um, you know, the quick fire rounds. Maybe oh do. yeah okay say so put the genre in order of like least favorite to yeah or even just be like you know let's pick a few films from let's for example just use religious horror because I think we've kind of religious horror we're both big fans of religious horror you will anything that to out. do with Satan yeah I'm really because into. we watched we watched a couple of films today because we can't always be together so we thought we'd try and get a couple of episodes recorded while we are together. So we've watched a couple of films today, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, they have both been satanic, satanic, satanic <laughs> religious horrors. It's and, a satanic festival here called... And our first ever episode was, you know... Oh, yeah. Saint Maud. Saint Maud, also a similar uh, Yeah, so... Okay, I promise, I promise after these ones we will start talking about something other than religious horror. <laughs> That's true. It yes. is It is my favourite, though. We need to broaden our, yes. our genres. I, I love it, too. I don't know if it's my favourite. I'd have to really think about it. Supernatural but horror is always going to be my favourite. Ghosts or like... hauntings or demons. I know what's last on the list, I'll tell you that. Zombies. zombies. Don't even come near me with a zombie. <laughs> I don't give a shit about your zombie movie. I don't care who's in it. I don't want to see it. I don't care. There are some great zombie films. Yeah, there are. And they're all really old. Because there's only so many things you can do with the same storyline that the dead come to life. <laughs> that 30 Days of Night, or what's that one? Yeah. 30 Days of Night? No, not, that's not it. That's the vampire um, one. 30 Days? 30 Days Later. Thir- 10 Days Later? No, 30. 30 Days Out. 30 Days. <laughs> I, I think it's called 30 Days. I'm no, you mean 30 Days Later. Or 28 Days Later. That's it. That's it. And you know what's really, really bad that both of us forgot that? There's a scene at 20, in 28 Days Later, which was filmed at our university at Trent Park, where I we know, met. I know, and they and yet we London. still don't. And it's Danny Boyle, who's obviously yep. brilliant. 30 days ago. <laughs> 30, 30 days. My taxes are due. 28 yeah. days later. So, <laughs> but other than what they did with zombies, mm-hmm. which was very clever and very scary, I mean, there's nothing new. There's nothing new under the zombie sun. That's all I'm saying. Right, we've gone completely off track. <laughs> so, having said all of that, yes. Um, breakdown. Okay. Yeah, set, settle in for settle in because strap yourselves in. Yes. <laughs> I hope you're ready. Don't knock over your wine. Yeah. <laughs> Don't knock over your wine. And away we go. Right. So, opening. Um, I just wrote distressed goats. I also wrote about goats. Now, I've said this on previous episodes, I don't always write the best notes when I'm watching the film because it tends to be I just write the thoughts that pop into my head, which aren't always the best. 
Sometimes I think they, they are. are the best. I literally think that they're the best ever. But <laughs> I think that without context. Yes. The, it, my notes without context are insane. But yeah. my first note on watching this film, of, of the opening of this film, was mm-hmm. there is something really unsettling about a large group of anxious goats. <laughs> yeah, there really is. They yeah. use that so well for yeah. the whole film. This idea of livestock being distressed. Yeah, I like mean, sensing evil and yes. like unsettling. But it ratchets up the tension. And it so. really, really did. But, right, so opening is the mother. Yes. And she is hanging out with the goats I don't know checking there she's just you know doing the, the doing farming jobs you know working. but it's nighttime and she's on her own oh and, yes she's... and there's a string of chimes almost I think to warn of foxes or wolves, wasn't wolves. It? yeah because yes. you could hear coyotes actually howling throughout which was another great use and it really added to the kind of atmosphere in the setting but um yeah so there's this sort of like fishing wire of Chimes and the what did you say the go, the distressed livestock the, the anxious goats the anxious goats <laughs> are making sounds and yes. being anxious and then you hear this you know something knocks all of the chimes and they're all going all crazy and the mother looks up and she's cash and then she just goes back into the house so it's like she's on her own something's wrong so straight out the gate. They really set the tone, I think. Because, gosh, it's a very rather heavy, bleak movie about loss and grief. And that gets set, you know, that tone gets set straight away, I think. Yeah. I was doing a bit of reading afterwards and I found this actually really amazing quote that from somebody who had written a review of it. They described it as providing an unsettling air of dreadfulness that comes adjacent to distance and grief. Mm. And I was like, that... Yeah. Well said. Very well said. I can't remember. I think I wrote down. We'll, uh, today, we'll credit that yeah. in, the, in the show notes. In the show notes. Because but, um, I can't read my own handwriting, I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But, yeah, exactly that. Mm-hmm. So the film, very, like the very base plot is, there is a mother and father who live on their farm somewhere. Rural, very r- rural. Very rural, very isolated. I think I read somewhere that it was filmed in Texas. I don't know if it was meant to be in Texas. They did have those kind of twangy accents, but I've yeah. never been to Texas, so I couldn't recognize. I almost thought they were in Kansas or somewhere out on the plains. Because it it's, it's very isolated. Very isolated. Um, farmland, basically. Farmland. Mm. And the father is, you know, bedridden. He's on his way out. He's dying. He's dying, yeah. basically. They never really say, but you don't No, they really never really say what's wrong with him, just that he's ailing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just the mother and a, a, a nurse who comes to help look after the, the, the dad in the daytime. And I think it's the nurse who gets in contact with the son and daughter mm. to basically be like, your father's dying, you should probably come now. The end is nigh. Yes. Yeah. So they, the brother and sister come, and sorry, there's a cat trying to get into the room, but I've got the back door open <laughs> okay. so they can't come in. So the brother and sister, the brother and sister return home to help their mom. Help I think, their mom and uh, yeah. yeah. And there's something very wrong. It, from the moment they arrive, the mother is like cold and standoffish and tells them that they shouldn't have come and that she doesn't want them there. Um, and he's just very 
It's foreboding. Very foreboding, but she seems very kind of angry and bitter towards them almost, and the way she's mm. treating them. And, and yeah, and the, the brother and sister seem to become very aware that there's something wrong. Right. So as the brother and sister are there um, with the mom, strange things start happening. And then fairly soon into the movie, I'd say maybe about 30-ish yeah. minutes in, the mother... Um, goes missing. Well, first she's... So... Yeah. <laughs> I skipped that part. <laughs> yeah. The, like, spoilers. Let's just say that. You should already know it by this point. If oh, you're no, this far in. If we're in the breakdown, yeah. the spoilers are, are spoilers abound. Are, spoilers are abound. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is probably one of the... I'd say it's the first really shocking, like, horrifying thing... Obviously, like you've got a sense of dread and foreboding that's been building. It's your first bit of yeah. gore as well. It, it definitely yeah, first the first bit of blood. Gore, the first blood. Where the mother is very upset and she's chopping carrots, and I mean it's inevitable what's going to happen, but she just starts. She's just watching her fingers. She just watch and she like Ugh. chops, starts chopping her fingers and just keeps chopping her her fingers and her hands. She's essentially mincing. Yeah, her own hands. Her own hands. And, and then the the screen like goes to black and it's the next day. And the brother and sister obviously come downstairs to. You don't see them finding um, the the kind of the bloody fingers. You see them in the sink, but you don't see like the, the son and daughter finding them. You just see them running around shouting, like calling for their mom because she's missing. She's, she's you know obviously there's been this terrible accident and she's nowhere to be found. And there's an amazing shot which is kind of set from the barn door but from inside the barn, out, through the pens, and you see her running around, the daughter, running around, like, calling her mum's name. And then she looks into the barn, and obviously either just kind of parallel to where the camera is, and then the camera starts panning back, and you see the mum's legs hanging. And the daughter kind of spots her, her dead mother hanging from, you know... The rafters. Yeah, in the and, barn. And it's, it's a beautiful shot. It is just... Really disturbing. Yeah. It was one of my, I actually wrote the long shot, exclamation point, as they discover mama's body. And then when they cut the body down, I kept waiting for them to cut away from the scene and they didn't. They didn't. And there was this really almost like guttural noise as part of the soundtrack that just suddenly started building like a buzzing, really low noise. Mm. And it just made my stomach start to kind of tighten because already like this awful, you know, traumatic thing is happening to them. They're having to absolutely cut awful. down yeah. their cut down their, their mum. Um but even just it's just the sound, it was the, just so And the way that they did it, like the the son's kind of holding her feet and the daughter grabs a like a, tub. a tub or something and pulls it over and gets on it to try, and he hands her a knife to cut her down. I mean, you keep waiting for them to cut away from it because it's so disturbing and and usually that's what they do in yeah. horror films it, it it gets uncomfortable and they cut exactly. away and goes, they carry on the story and in this they just it was you couldn't look away and so it was very uncomfortable and very tense and you could feel the weight of the mom's body when they cut her down and the way yeah, that the she fell yeah the daughter's like screaming to the brother don't drop her don't let her fall or oh. screaming to yeah brilliant don't let her really fall. insane look don't let her fall and that's kind of your first casualty yes there you go the, the mother mm -hmm. um, and then it's kind of things start coming out so the nurse is like look your your mum's been acting a little bit weird lately you know she sits with your 
comatose essentially father yeah. every night talking whispering but she's not talking to him she's talking to somebody else right um and the whole thing i mean there are quite a lot of different things in this film but religion was quite a big one mm-hmm. um and the whole the, the whole kind of underplot was that the whole family are essentially atheists like the mum and dad have never believed in god um and neither do the children well it's children son and daughter mm. um so when they find their dead mother's diary and the entries are all the devil's here he wants your fu- he wants my husband's soul and all this talk about the devil coming and and things and like help me help me mm. um it's you can sense like the real confusion because it wasn't just like oh a already quite devout Christian, you know, woman has maybe snapped in the isolation and the oncoming death of her husband and now thinks, is blaming it on the devil to someone who's never believed in the devil or God is suddenly, from the outward anyway, seems quite suddenly to be very fearful and thinks that, Mm. you know, the devil, the demons at play. Yeah. Um... And also, we should probably put a trigger warning, but yes, because it seems that the way that this particular demon, or if it's the devil, um, that is in their house, or you kind of find out it's trying to eat the soul of the father, or it wants the soul of the father, something like that. It's never really... The cause of the devil appearing, you know, this demon or devil entity, um, how it kind of attached itself to that family or that house or or why them specifically yeah exactly is because never that I, I, it's not and I did have that in my notes sort of why them basically yeah and the only thing that I can kind of come up with in my head is it's like you know they were talking um at one point about about their father saying that he's a good man or he was a good man and um I wonder if it's that you know the thought of maybe claiming the soul of a good man who isn't necessarily a believer, you know, if you mm. found that, if it was just the temptation of, of finding someone like that. But I don't know. Interesting. It, it yeah. wasn't ever really alluded to, so. But it seems that the, this demon or whatever it is, that's what it sort of delights in, is that yes. it drives people to suicide because that becomes a theme throughout the movie. Yes. How to cut them down in yeah. a sense, you know, giving them visions and things like that so yeah um yeah things do get very so right so after the mother hangs herself um the priest appears the priest comes pretty soon after yeah so priest person this yeah this, this kind of priest guy um minister i don't know appears wanting to talk to there's a there's always a priest. There's a, yeah. a, a priest always appears. Name me one supernatural movie where a priest or a voodoo person of some description doesn't appear. Of course that's what happens. <laughs> so, yeah. So the priest comes and intimates that he's been having conversations with the mother. Yes, that he's been supporting her while she's been caring for her dying husband. And where have you children been? Exactly. She was all alone. She loved you so much and she was alone. And Laying she... on the old guilt trip. But the, the brother and sister are quite suspicious straight away, especially the son, because he's, you know, he's like, well, my mother's never been religious. She doesn't believe in the devil. 
yeah. you put all this crap into her head. You, you know, basically you've preyed on this vulnerable woman and she snapped because of it. And he kicks her out. Basically, right? The priest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they get they get the, the, they kick him out. The son kicks him out. Yeah, the son kicks him out. Um and then there's a, there's a there's an old man who is like a helper that's been helping them out around the farm, I think. And something seems to be happening with him. He's trying to call the house. And they keep getting all these weird phone calls. So after a while, they just unplug the phone. Oh, yeah. So I think he was a family friend. Um, I can't remember his name. Charlie. Was it Charlie? Yeah. So he was a family friend. And the devil also, or the demon thing, also drives him to suicide. He's been ringing the house uh, where the son and daughter are they've stayed to look after the dying father yes which i also thought that was the one kind of part of the story that was a little bit of a stretch when they basically the son and daughter decided which by the way they're called louise and michael but louise and michael decide that enough's enough they're not staying in this house anymore that dad needs to go to a hospital and so they call the doctor to come and approve the transfer i suppose because i guess he's just having hospice care at home and the doctor says no that even just moving them, him down the street will kill him. But then he proceeds to live for the next few days. Because, yeah. oh, that's something else. That the It's according to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you see these different things happening during the week. I mean, I think mom kills herself Tuesday. Yeah. The kids arrive on Monday and that happens on Tuesday. So it doesn't start well and it doesn't get better. So, yeah, <laughs> throughout the week. But um, And there was also the nurse had a conversation with the son. The nurse Remember is a, she... yeah, she is a believer and she, she's religious, she's yeah. religious and she's having a conversation because after a while, um, the, the son and daughter, they, they start to believe the things that are happening to them. So at the beginning, it's only the daughter it's happening to. And there's kind of almost a sense of like, oh, I must be going crazy. Like my mother, like. Yes, because there's a few instances where there's one scene, memorable scene, where she's in the shower, yes. and she hears a noise, and she opens the shower curtain, and it's her father, which he's been completely bedridden the whole time. So, logically, you're thinking, oh, it's not possible, but scares the shit out of her. Yeah. Um, and then she goes in and sees him in bed and thinks, oh, that can't possibly have happened. And then there's, like, a spider crawling on him. She's seeing things. She's seeing yeah. visions, or and um, because it's making her doubt her own sanity because nobody yeah. else can see them. She's being tormented. But then after a few days, um, the brother starts seeing like their dead mother in the street outside. Yeah, and he, the things start happening to him, and and he starts to you know accept the fact that there is definitely something bad happening. And it all sort of comes to a head when one night the priest seemingly. There's a knock on the door at three in the morning. They go down to answer it. It's the priests looking all creepy with sort of cloudy eyes. And when they go out to investigate, there's no one there. They, they can't find any tire tracks. They can't find any trace of the priest. Um, and then, then, then there's that phone call. Then Louise... The priest, when he came the first time, left him a business card or something with his phone number, and she calls it. And when she calls, the man 
aunt who answers the phone is is the is the gentleman she thinks she's talking to the priest yeah but he's never been it is texas because he says where are you and she's like texas oh yeah and and so louise is like look you were here yesterday you know my mom um i need to talk to you and this man has no idea who she is he's in a hotel in chicago he's never been to texas um and louise sounds just like his daughter who killed herself yes so it, and he starts you know shouting at her like this is a cruel joke why would you do this and just the uncomfortableness of like how uncomfortable she looks when she's on this phone call and she's like at first she's conf- angry because he doesn't seem to be saying he knows who she is and then yeah. then it's confusion and then it's just this kind of horrible like deep uncertainness that kind of you can see it in her like her whole body goes all weird and she and she feels horrible yeah um and she sort of throws the phone yeah and i think that's when they start to like disconnect the phone because the phone keeps ringing and then they're getting weird phone calls and then with their mom's voice yes yeah um so the devil essentially is fucking with them really hardcore yeah and yeah this is something else that i wrote in my notes i just wrote we all know it's the devil. Just accept it. Why are people always slow to admit that it's Satan? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's so obvious. Why are you denying it? I don't know, maybe. Like, I Satan's <laughs> my first one I ever go to. Right? It's like... It's all going wrong. Yeah. Satan. Oh, who knocked over <laughs> that, that vase and has left paw prints everywhere? Is it my cat? Nope. It's Satan. Satan. <laughs> but no no in this movie it's anything but Satan mm-hmm. um, um, so yeah I mean there was I, I had a couple of things where I was con- maybe confused or I felt things were a little inconsistent sort of in terms of Satan's powers what kind of powers he had because he seemed to if he wanted to Dispatch with people really quickly. Charlie, for example, when he makes Charlie kill himself, mm-hmm. that happens in moments. Yeah. He gets into his head and fucks him up so bad that it's like, bam. He conjures this really creepy image of Louise, you know, stabbing herself and cutting the her way own throat. She, the way that she moved in that scene was really creepy. Was incredibly creepy. Yeah. Because it was like a vision almost. or a Yeah, and she or... was, you know, doing that kind of. A little bit cliche horror movie, like jerky body, unnatural movement. But I'll tell yeah. you what, that will fuck me up anytime. <laughs> it's scary. That CCTV <laughs> scene from The Grudge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was like that. It was yeah. movement kind of unnatural, like a, like a jumping yeah. video. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Charlie, the family friend, sees this vision that the, the demon conjures and you know, kills himself. He's so tortured mm. by it that he kills himself. So, in that in that sense, the demon can dispatch with people yeah. no problem, really quickly. The nurse. Well, yeah, that one too. That was so... I mean, she's here with like all these prayer candles and, you know, she's given really good advice on how to save the dad's soul. Mm-hmm. She gives this big speech about how love can save, can save them and, you know, there's a lot of love in the family. Um, and then, literally, she's there... And she's knitting, and then suddenly she's, let's be honest, stabbing herself in the face and the eyes and the stomach. Everywhere with everywhere knitting with needles. Everywhere with knitting needles. And, that, and it's not like, oh, just stab myself in the eye and, you know, that's incredibly disturbing. No, no, no. That, like, she's around for a little while, 
just <laughs> walking around, stabbing Stab herself in the eye and call it a day. No, no, no not in this no. film. She <laughs> knocks out Louise and like drags her into the kitchen or something. Yes, she's trying to do something. And then yeah. she stabs herself in both eyes mm-hmm. after already stabbing herself quite a lot. And then she eventually, she's just like stabbing herself in the chest until and she And then dies. eventually falls over. Mm. Yeah. So there's so there's the nurse gone, family friend gone. So again, it kind of goes gone. back, mom gone. Although maybe it haunted the mom for yes. a little while, it sounded like. But again, this idea that why this family, what's so special about them? What's Why is he trying to do away with them? And cutting off all of their <clears throat> friends and support system at all. But oh, the, she said the, the the nurse prior to dying says souls need love to keep them safe. Yes, and I liked that line because it sort of gave you at least a little bit of explanation about what was at stake here. That that's why they because I know I was like get the fuck get get out of the house. Yeah, go. Why are you still Leave. here? Go. I don't care about your distressed goats. Go. I mean, I always care about distressed goats, <laughs> but. You love the goats. I do love the goats. Oh, and the scene we're completely missing. <gasps> well, I, I was going to say, I have. Is this the sheep? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they were goats. Oh, they're sheep and goats. Oh, right. Okay. Just livestock. Livestock. Yes. Livestock. Yeah. There's this horrible scene, which really upset me, I'm not going to lie. Where this sheep is coming towards, you know, Michael's just fixing a car or doing some, uh, doing ranch jobs, farm jobs, and he hears this like bleating, and there's this sheep that's like hobbling its way across to them, and it's missing a leg, and mm, it's all bloody. It's all bloody, yeah. Um, and I really didn't like that, and so they go to the the field where the the livestock are. And the shot was stunning. Like, let's be honest, mm. it was an incredible shot where it just kind of, it pans out and there's just hundreds, all of them. Their whole flock? Yeah, is, whole... is lying down with, you know, ripped to shreds. All dead. All yeah. dead. And, and she even says no coyote or fox. Yeah, or no wolf did this. No animal really would do this. Um, Kill them all. And then the music kind of the soundtrack started to build a bit and then the next scene it cuts to they're having a big bonfire and just flinging the, the, the corpses, the carcasses on, the carcasses and, onto yeah. it. And Oof. there's almost like tribal drum yes. beats yes. that I really liked. Yeah, that was great. That, that use of music there. Yeah, yeah that was really excellent. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah. Then, at that point, I feel like the scare factor just goes up even higher. Like that's, There's a scene when the brother is in the barn at night time um, oh yeah, he said. So essentially, after the flock or, or whatever the group of goats is called, <laughs> herd, is killed, they ask. They're talking. They're, how many are left? And he says five. I'm not gonna let them die. I'm gonna go spend the night in the pen yes. with with the five that are left because it included a baby. Here we go with the heavy-handed metaphor of the lamb and the mm-hmm. you know. So you've got a little baby and the mom, and so he goes out to stay the night out there. And more hauntings ensue from Mama. But they were. There was a few moments that, that made me jump. Oh yeah, they're effective. A lot. Effective. Very yeah. effective. And I, you could see even because the sister was like, "Why don't you stay here with me and Dad?" And I think, "Geez, these are your two choices: go upstairs with your dying father, who's yeah. trying, whose soul's trying to be eaten by Satan, or 
go hang out with the five remaining goats who've all also just been killed by Satan. These are just two poor choices. <laughs> well, there's that horrible scene while he's out there with the goats and Louise is lying in the bed next to her next to her father and she's like crying because she, it's almost like something's there on him. He's making yes. weird noises. Oh, and the bed goes down. Yeah, the bed like goes down heavy. like someone heavy has just climbed onto it and oh, that yeah. really freaked me out. Because yeah, that part was great. Anyone who has pets, especially cats, will know, like, you're lying in bed, it's dark, and then suddenly, just, it, it's the weight changes, and <laughs> yeah. it's like, is that a cat, or is it a serial killer, or is it a demon? And let's be <laughs> honest, cats are all of those things. So, you never really know. But yeah, that really... Oof, that, really, yeah, that, that heaviness. Like the, the bed, the, the springs bed sinking down. Going. Yeah. And then you could hear him sort of breathing heavily. It almost sounded like he was... I don't know. Yeah. It was not a comforting sound. No. And then she sort of gathers her strength and she turns over. And there's nothing there. Dad's not even there. Dad's not there. The bed's empty. And then she looks up. And she can hear this weird sound. And there he is on the ceiling. Looking down, reaching out to her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good part. That was very good. And then very soon after that, the brother... Well, yeah. before the brother... Oh, yeah. The creepy little girl. Oh, yeah. Because I'm just looking at my notes. Did the creepy little girl happen before the brother? Yes. Or was it while the brother was while gone? while the brother was gone. Anyway, this... Our timelining might not be. Don't expect this it's to be great. like some sort of professional. <laughs> we're like, not professionals. What order? How many joints did we smoke while we were watching it? None. 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 Right. Yeah. This is a four twenty friendly podcast. It is. Let's just let's, let's just, just get that yeah. out there. Um, <laughs> but Charlie, the family friend who had killed himself. Um, this this girl, teenager. I think it was his granddaughter. It was his granddaughter. Yeah. Um, arrives at the door and Louise is trying to find her brother. She can't find him anywhere, and she's very agitated. She's hasn't slept. She no looks like crazy. Shit. You know, crazy shits happening. Yeah. Um, and Charlie's granddaughter arrives at the door and she's talking. Um, I'm not sure if you can hear that. That's more like cats trying to. <laughs> dig their way through the door. Trying to get into it. Trying to get into the living room. I can't let them leave them out there for too long, because the litter trays are in here. Um, but, yes, she starts talking to Louise, and she's basically says, look, you need to know, my, my, my granddad killed himself, like, two days ago. He shot himself. And Louise is like, no, because he was here. Because I think she sees him at some point in one of the apparitions. Mm. Um, and it's all very confusing. And then Louise is like, look, I have to go check on my dad, come in. And the girl seems hesitant at first. And I thought it was going to be like, oh, she's hesitant because she can sense, like, how... This woman's nuts. Yeah, it's a creepy how, situation. Yeah, how The mother just hung herself. Like, the dad's dying upstairs, you know. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the dad was coughing. That's what yeah. it was. She's like, I have to go check on dad. But then the little girl starts talking about the fact that she can smell him. Can't oh, yeah. you smell him? He's almost here. He's rotting. Yeah, he's rotting, and you're gonna be all alone. And does the creepiest smile, and the voice. Yeah, it was very creepy. It was very creepy. Children and then she creepy. vanishes. So you yeah. know, another creepy apparition. Yes, and whilst that's happening, the brother 
is like, bye, peace out. I'm out of here because yeah. too much crazy shit has gone on. I'm going home to my wife and my two beautiful daughters who I've missed so much. And you think, as I did, yeah, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Yeah, don't leave your sister. I think we both even sort of said during the film, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're a prick. You're just leaving your sister there to deal with everything, mm -hmm. which we'll get into that in a minute. Mm -hmm. The obligations of a woman to mm -hmm. her family. Whatever. So he leaves, and you're thinking, yeah, he's got away. This is it. Um, and this part, I very much remember it vividly. So he, he's driving in the car. He tells his sister, I'm out. He arrives home. He comes bursting through the door, and there's like a record playing. This creepy old-fashioned song is going mm -hmm. on and he comes in and he looks in his daughter's bedrooms and they're empty and he's calling for them he's like girls where are you honey I'm here and then he walks into the kitchen and it's like a tableau just like a, a horror tableau for the ages of the daughters are sat at the, like the din the, like the dining table um Dead, like I think their throats. I think their throats have been slit There's and stabbed. Blood dripping down their little girl hands. Yeah, and their mothers and lying on the floor, like having been like basically. It looks like she's killed the daughters and then, and then killed, killed herself. herself. Yeah, and the was it Michael? Yeah, he, I mean, I knew it was going to happen because when before he left, the demon he had a knife to like on him mm -hmm. um, and I think the demon kept trying to get him to to use it to yes. use the knife yes yeah. when he was watching the five yes. goats that's right so, so he has this knife on him and he's like on his knees you know devastated because he makes his speech to his sister in the car on the phone about how his wife and his children are his, are his life you know that's his obligation um, and he just sees them dead and he sits on the kitchen floor and slits his throat like completely devastated. Completely slits his throat. Yeah, and as and soon as he does it, he looks up and everything's vanished. Nobody's there. None of it was real. None of it was real. Empty table. No one's home. And he's like trying to grab his throat because obviously he realises he's, he's basically killed himself for no reason. And his wife and daughters walk in. And his wife sees him as yeah, he's dying. On yeah. the floor, like covered in blood. Yeah, that's a devastating scene. That really... Yeah. Yeah. All of them are now fucked for life, yes. basically. But, um, yeah, I, but having said all of that, fantastic scene. And, Absolutely, yeah. And really, I think what gets me is the emotions of it, because at this point, you care about the brother, even though you think he's being kind of a prick by ditching his sister. You oh, also yeah, like, I completely understand him, it. But I understand it. Like, yeah. I, from the get-go, we're like, get the fuck out of that house. <laughs> leave that farmhouse. Jeez, if you leave God. the dad, the authorities will have to come and take him and put him in a hospital. Yeah, just there's a loophole here somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> just go get. But I, my point was, I don't care because the sister was like, "No, I can't leave him." You know, I can't leave a soul. Yeah, like, mum and dad like it wanted needs, us to, yeah. to to do this. Um, I would have just been like, do you know what? Yeah, I get it. It sucks. I don't want dad's soul to be eaten. But bitch, we need to get out of here. Get in the car. Yeah, let's go. You're coming with me. And, uh, yeah, he didn't do that. He just, no. he just dipped out on his own. But, um, right, so that part happens. And then, and then we're back to the sister on the mm -hmm. farmhouse. Now we know she's completely alone. And while she's in the house, she can hear Michael saying, help me, help me outside. But she knows at this point she's wisened up to Satan's ways. She knows it's not her brother out there. 
So she even says, she's like, leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Talking about the dad, you know, referencing leave dad alone. And, um, yeah. And then the very, very ending, which I thought was quite strong. Cause mm-hmm. you know, how horror movie endings tend to be, just can really just kill it. I oh, mean, they can. Um, and I think it's really important in a slow build like this. There has to be payoff. Yes, that's what we were kind of talking about earlier as well. Like, if it's a slow burn and you don't get that at the end, mm-hmm. it's a little bit. It's a little bit like sex. You really <laughs> want like that foreplay. You want that long build up. Yeah. Only if it's gonna end in a really good explosive orgasm. Exactly. If you're gonna have this really long, unless you're into edging. I mean, again, no <laughs> judgment. But otherwise, no you're, gonna, you're gonna have this really big build up and then no climax. Exactly. And so, I think that's where this film got it right, you know? Because there is a huge fuck-off orgasm of despair. Yeah, I mean, geez, (laughs) it just ends well for no one. But So between killing off more or less everyone in the movie via suicide, you know, Mm -hmm. as the hand of Satan, and then at the very end, um, Dad's soul gets eaten by Satan, and then he immediately gets her. Yep. And then, whew, blackout. So, yeah... They're all fucked. They're all fucked. No one survives. I Satan mean, reigns mm-hmm. supreme. There's... <laughs> I mean, there's quite... Yeah, that family are fucked. <laughs> I was trying the to think of some fucked. sort of... Some sort of... Um, kind of but hope like, or positive... Takeaway? Really, yeah, yeah, is there, there one? No. Um, if but, Satan comes into your house, leave ASAP. But then the brother left and... Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe if he'd left sooner. Listen to your mom when she says don't come. Yeah. No, I don't know. No, who would do maybe, that? Maybe, maybe the motto of this film is just listen to your mom. Listen to your mother. Always listen to your mother. And apparently... If she tells you not to come home, there's probably a reason for it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? But this is where, I, and I thought there were elements of the grief and the obligation that people owe to their family that mm-hmm. I really, really liked about it, that they sort of... Of course the, the kids are going to come home. They've gotten the call that their dad's dying. They haven't been around. There's a level of guilt playing into this. They Absolutely. feel ashamed and they feel guilty. And so that's what pushes them to come. And not only to come, but to stay past the point of, I think, a reasonable you know, yeah. level of haunting. <laughs> Most people would have fucked off by then, but no, they stay. And, you know, I think that comes from that guilt, not having been there. And then... Just very, very bleak and, and again, playing into that trauma. And I think that I can think of several films, particularly with women yes. at the fore that have done this really well. Um, the Descent was one. You know, you get all these women with this background of homegirl lost her husband and her kid and the, her friend was banging her husband. And then you throw them all in a cave and they can't get out. And then there's monsters. So at that point, you've got a perfect recipe for, but it's playing on that kind of, trauma unresolved trauma or the guilt of and the grief associated and the sorrow with someone dying mm-hmm. and being in that process of death and having your mother I mean geez and they're living on a farm they've got to be in their 70s doing all this hard work where are the kids you know they're just not around so yeah yeah I wrote down like a couple of the themes that you know were quite obvious and it's obviously you know, the whole religion the atheism mm. when the priest first arrives and they're sat talking to him and they start saying about how the whole family are atheists, no one believes, and the priest slash Satan. He says, like, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you believe in him or not. 
It's... And and that's true because then you had the nurse who believed not only in him but also in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, I perceived her death scene to be that she was wavering in her faith. And so, needle to the eye. Both was eyes. Both um... eyes. And your stomach and your cheek. It wasn't going to stop. No. You know, the devil wasn't going to be stopped by any of that. I wonder, had you brought in the priests from the exorcist, would it have stopped then? Probably not. So, I did write some other random notes as well. Um, just things like livestock sounds, coyotes howling, that sort of as a indicator of what was going on um, mm-hmm. and how it added to the build-up. Um, and then also just some points which we've already kind of covered, like to discuss, which was just the inconsistency of the powers, why some people took so long to sort of get to and other people less time. And maybe that was according to the person. I mean, yeah, their resolve maybe. Yeah. Um, um, and why that family specifically, that was never really answered. And, and this to me, these are sort of niggles that are, I'm nitpicking, you know, because it's overall super solid movie. But I think it's important to kind of nitpick a little bit because even my absolute, you know, five out of five films have have flaws, but they still feel like fives and this didn't feel like a five. Mm, agree, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing. Um, you said something that I really liked, which is that the setting, like that environment, really added to the emotional, um, l- like layering of it. Um, almost the environment is a character. Yes. This really bleak farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere, super isolated, really rural. Um, all the different sounds that came with that. We mentioned the animals, but also the wind howling and those the chimes, chimes, yeah, and just the creaking. And yeah, the creaking of the house and the door and the bed and just everything was kind of old and mm. and it did the whole thing with you know there are scenes of them working the farm and you know working the cattle and the livestock and again it goes back to this kind of feel of obligation mm-hmm. and then there's resentment, family tension, you know. At the beginning, you think that the mum's pissed because they haven't been around to help with the farm or, you know, things. Yes. But then the children are like, well, you know, my son is, I've forgotten what it is he does, but he, I think they do talk about it, they talk about it at the beginning. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, it's, you know, he has his own life and his own family and his own day. And I think that's, you know, obviously quite a healthy, healthy, healthy thing. But I often think about these families that have these lives that are there isn't a job and home separation you, know, you look at farmers um, yeah, and ranchers yeah. and things and they, they it's almost expected of the children that they're going to stay and and carry on also work and on help the farm. yeah and these two obviously haven't yeah um and i think there's this feeling that the, you know the michael and eloise louise louise, louise. yeah, yeah. Why are those names not sticking in my head um <laughs> louise they they think that she's mad because they're there because they weren't there before. When actually, I think she's just like I she knows they're in danger. Yeah, so get out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's that like bitterness and resentment, and... which that kind of feeds into the idea with Louise as the main character, and mm-hmm. it's kind of being told from her perspective. And I think 
that sort of feminist, I suppose, angle on it. You know, her her role is really investigated as daughter, as sister. Yes. And I think that's... And she becomes a caregiver. Yeah. You know, she's the one who is automatically out when they decide to stay or when they can't get their dad into a hospital. It's her that has to spend the night. Right, yeah. But she kind of gives herself that job because the brother immediately is like, oh, yeah, let's set up with the nurse. Let's set up a, a night shift, you know, a night assistant. And she says, oh, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it because... But that's the guilt. Exactly, yeah. it's the guilt because that's what her mum did. Yeah. And, yeah. And she hasn't been around. And so, yeah, so there's her role kind of within the family dynamic and then as well her obligations, these feelings of obligations to her family as a woman, as a person, yes, because the son feels them as well, but I think especially as a woman, like you said, like watching her mom take care of the dad and feeling as though she needs to to do so as well. Mm-hmm. And then you and I were both mad that the brother left. Oh, yeah. So the brother felt empowered to leave. Mm-hmm. He felt like he could. I think she never felt like she no, could. No, absolutely not. And so I, did, I think from a, from a, a feminist uh, viewpoint, I, I really liked that. Like, pass the Bechdel, check, yes, absolutely, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just think everyone can kind of understand a lot of these family dynamics, you know, how families relate and get along over the years and how, when there is suffering, you know, how do you deal with that sort of grief? Most families kind of pull together. And this one, it just seems as though everything's kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like the rot set in. And yeah. then that allowed, that allowed, you know, the demon or the devil to... <laughs> sink his claws and eat the dead soul i don't know why i keep saying eat i think someone said it in the film he wants to eat his soul eat his soul so and that he does although at the end i almost thought did did the devil decide at the last minute to take her soul instead or did it take the dad's and hers that wasn't totally clear no i was a little bit and i'm not sure if they did it on purpose if it was supposed to be a bit vague or or what but yeah i was a little bit unclear I wasn't sure if, because as the dad was kind of dying mm-hmm. at the end, she was saying, I, I love you, um, I love you, I love you, you know, trying to use her love to save his soul. And then suddenly she's she's kind of got in the last second. Yeah. And it's like, did she basically swap places? So, right, so her dad's soul would escape or, did, yeah. Or did the devil just change his mind? Mm-hmm. As he will. He's mm-hmm. wanting to do that. He's the devil. Mm-hmm. Can't pin him down. <laughs> He'll do what he wants. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, agree. It wasn't completely clear. and I, But I don't think I cared that no. it was clear. Because it was clear enough to know mm-hmm. that everyone's fucked. Everyone's so fucked. Even, even if the dead soul didn't get taken, he is still dead. Of some disease that's also never really mentioned. I just assumed it was cancer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just. So, all in, uh, a slow burn... Uh, that I would recommend. I would recommend it. I really would. I, I really would. And it definitely got me a few times. It I mean, me. you know, you're looking at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's a good score for a horror film. Definitely. Oh, and this actress, can I just say? Uh, Marin yeah. Ireland. Oh my gosh. She, she was brilliant. brilliant. She plays Ab- Louise. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I yeah. mean, just a powerhouse acting. She had to do all the things. Yes. And she was very, very good. <laughs> very good. All the emotions. And I remember there was one point as well where it, it, her, and her and the brother, Michael, had been stepping outside for cigarettes. This is when the mom's still alive. It, so he would be drinking beer and she'd be having a cigarette and they're sitting outside. Because, you know, 
mom's alive. Mm-hmm. And as soon, uh, right after the scene where mom died, she's inside furiously chain smoking. And I even wrote in my notes, it, she's, it doesn't matter anymore. She feels like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where she smokes anymore. Yeah. Now she's smoking inside because it doesn't matter. And I think that that tiny little thing is just so, reveals so much about a person's character, you know? She couldn't even have the pretense anymore that it mattered. Mom was gone and that was it. So just little things like that, which, you know, I whether that was her or the director, I just really appreciate things like that. So, yeah. The dark and the wicked. It was both dark and wicked. And wicked. <laughs> so and you go and watch it. And if you have already watched it, um, or if you go and watch it now, um, we'd love to know what you think. Yes. Hit us in the comments. Leave us a review. If yes. you like us, hate us, be honest. I encourage honesty. But mainly be nice. But mainly be nice. Mainly be nice. <laughs> We're great. Um, Why wouldn't you give us five stars? We're amazing. We love horror movies. Hey, let's watch scary movies. Let's watch Caitlin. Hey, what are you doing later? Let's watch scary movies. <laughs> I love watching scary movies. <laughs> the yeah. thing is, we even watch some scary movies that we don't even report back on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like we just we, watch them for the pure love of it. So. We've gone through, um, I've been going through my, my kind of notebook to see what films, and I was like, oh, do you remember we watched this film? Do you remember we watched this film? And we've written notes, and we just didn't record but an episode. But we didn't do an episode. And, and yeah. some of it's because they were absolute... Yeah, shit. I think it's important to um, sort of I don't mind. even I th- cover the shitty ones too. We will, but we will. But there some are some <laughs> that there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, in some there, cases, so. you just it was shit, and that's what the was end. What was the of that. one? So. That I, oh, um, oh no, the devil below or something. Like yeah, that. I'm, I'm just laughing that all the devil. Yeah, the devil below. We need it. We need to do a new genre. Yeah, because I'm just looking at the titles of the ones that we've watched. The Devil's Rock, the House of the Devil. <laughs> The devil below. Where's the devil in my house? Below. Somewhere. Oh yeah. Look, we like we like a lot of other films as well. <laughs> Honest. Um, we did watch the hand that rocks the cradle, which has no devil in it. No, no. A, the devil a scorned, is a woman. A scorned woman. <laughs> hey, the woman is the devil. There's a lot to unpack. I was gonna say that's an entire three-part podcast but, on its um, own. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us. Yes, again. thank you. Please and come back. We'll talk about more feminist. Well, any horror movie, but obviously with our signature feminist slant on it, because we love vaginas and we like talking about them. That is true. And we especially like... Especially each other's. Especially each other's. And also, just a very strong female lead and an incredible performance in this particular film, so I would... I would... My vagina recommends it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... My vagina endorses this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that could be a separate rating system. How... <laughs> How many vaginas does this movie get? Does, does, does your... What's the maximum amount of vaginas? I suppose one. Well, yeah. And then from there, you just break it into fractions. <laughs> the labia. <laughs> like, no, it's getting weird. It's getting um, weird. We'll figure it out. We'll it's, report It's back. so hot that I think my brain's melted. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is really warm. <laughs> um, right. So, we're signing off. This is a long goodbye. It is. But it's a, a loving one. It and is. We'll be back at you next time with Belzebuth. Belzebuth. That guy. That guy, yeah. So, coming soon, episode four. Stay tuned. But find us on All Places Podcasts. Give us your love. And hey, let's watch scary movies. Let's watch scary movies.